The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, what do you think I have on my couch today? (laughs) Who do you think, I should say? James Holmes, the Joker on the Couch. Of course, the people in Colorado who have suffered this incredible tragedy, and really it's a tragedy for all of us, uh, that this kind of thing happens. They are not laughing. They are not thinking that it's very funny that the Joker is making any jokes. Um, it, you may have seen me already. I've been doing tons of interviews about this, national television, E! and so on, local television in L.A., radio. Um, and, but, you know, I cannot get off this subject <laughs> And I hope for those of you who have watched or listened to some of my previous interviews about this, I hope you'll find something new and interesting today. The reason why I can't get off of this is because, um, well, first of all, as a forensic psychiatrist, I'm fascinated by uh, all of the things that have to do with legal cases. But second of all, and most importantly, uh, I have been trying to tell people this and have been telling people this for years that media violence kills. Media, the more, I didn't make this up, folks. (laughs) I mean, I've done research in it myself, um, but before before I started working in this area, um, there were people, researchers, for decades, all over the globe, all different countries, all different kinds of experiments, different experimental designs, different ages, of people that they studied, um, different kinds of violent media, television, movies, songs, music, uh, video games, books, all kinds of, even war toys, we, we call them, you know, violent toys, toys with guns and so on. All of these things have been studied by people that I am not connected to. There is nothing, no benefit to me, <laughs> personal benefit, except to have the world be a more peaceful, safer place, um, for why I have been talking about this for years. Um, and, and James Holmes is unfortunately yet another example of a person who um, has lots of pro- personal problems, and we'll talk about that, you know, problems from his childhood, problems from his current life, but who, by friends, has, and by things they found in his apartment, and by his own... Uh, admission and dressing, he was obviously identifying with characters in the Batman movie, movies, um, and Batman, and pro- probably Batman books and and other Batman um, kinds of media, and and in addition to that, playing video games. Now I'll I'll get into why I believe that that's true um, later on, but I just want to just to reiterate because every time I mean. 
Not every time. I guess when, when it's been uh, a radio call-in show, and I invite you, any of you who have this opposing view to call in, um, there is undoubtedly someone who calls in and says, well, I've been playing video games for years, and um, I'm not going to kill anybody. Well, really, good for you. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that everyone who plays video games or, or, um, or sits for hours and hours of violent media is necessarily going to out, go out and kill someone. However, it does not take a psychiatrist to point out to you that this our world has gotten increasingly violent with every year. And I'm not just talking about the United States. I'm talking about all over the globe. I mean, seriously, just look around. <laughs> and you can find the um, seeds of media violence having, having been sent out from the United States, from other countries, um, and going around the world, especially, of course, unfortunately, I'm ashamed to admit, especially the United States, sending all of our media products all over the world I mean, that are violent. I mean, all media products, that's great, but violent media products is not so great. And this has been uh, part of what has built up the pent-up uh, rage inside of people who maybe they don't go out and kill somebody. I'm certainly not trying to say that, but we see people getting involved in road rage, doing all kind of being uh, cutthroat in business, doing all kinds of aggressive things, if not shooting people, uh, more than ever before. And this is proportional to the amount of media violence that has been put out into the world. Now, what these researchers found was, uh, except for the studies that were done that were funded in part, either um, transparently or um, in a less obvious way, there were some of these studies that were, that were funded in part by media outlets or sometimes in full by media outlets. Strangely enough, <laughs> those results came out a little less conclusively. But, and obviously I'm being... Um, uh, sarcastic, you know, there, it is not coincidental or strange, uh, that the, those studies were the ones that came out to have more question about the link between media violence and actual increased aggression or violence in the people, uh, who watched it or played it. Now, what they have found, um, as I said, except for these uh, media funded studies, is that people, now we're talking about people of all ages, people in all countries, um, the more media violence they consume, the more likely they are to be aggressive and to act out, whether that's road rage or whether that's, I mean, some of the studies measured the, the people or, or in, in the minutes, you know, they would show them, for example, they would have them play a violent video game, and then they would um, test them in the, in the time after that, or they would... Um, you know, use some other war toys, children and war toys. They would see their play before they gave them the war toys, during the war toys, and after the war toys. I mean, these are just some examples of ways that they studied. There were studies that followed kids uh, for years who, you know, and, and kept account of how much media violence they were exposed to at these different ages. And sure enough, the ones who were exposed to more media violence wound up um, not finishing school, wound up getting in trouble with the police, wound up, you know, having all kinds of problems. And whenever there's um, a situation like this, James Holmes, who obviously identified with the Joker and also identified with, J with Bane, 
um, one of the other evil characters, we see a co- in these copycat crimes, and there are countless numbers of them, um, it is much harder for people to say, although they will try, I mean, certainly the, the makers of um, The Dark Knight Rises, you know, don't want to take responsibility, although there are already at least one, there is already at least one lawsuit against them that I am aware of, and I'm sure more are to come. Um, but, they, of course, they don't want to admit this, but, um, but you know, here after James Holmes shot up the movie theater where, um, the Dark Knight Rises was playing. Uh, he then was easily captured by police and said to them that he's the Joker. I'm the Joker, and um, and I'll talk more about that. But but my, but you know these kinds of things where the per- they don't actually people don't often admit that say that so clearly. Uh, nor are they necessary. Well, they are often dressed up in the gear. But um, it is a little unusual that he admitted it right away to the police that uh, that that's what he was doing, and the police found Batman ma- a Batman mask and, and Batman posters and so on at his home, and there are other ways that he copied these characters. But in Colorado, um, the, you know, the the fact that this happened just miles, very close, relatively close to Columbine. Now, Columbine, the two young men who perpetrated that mass shooting were found after the fact to have um, indeed been obsessed with video games like Doom and to have indeed watched violent movies like The Basketball Diaries. And there's no question about that. I mean, unfortunately, of course, that was discovered or or acknowledged after they had killed um, countless people. Um and 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 it was too late. Now talking about it being too late, um, I'm going to be talking about about James Holmes' psychiatrist, who I think should be looking for um, to try to get her license in Alaska or somewhere. I'm sorry, Alaska. I don't mean to pawn her off on you, but maybe I don't know. Maybe in some just in some place where there aren't enough psychiatrists, so they need to have someone um, who is not as... I I know this sounds... Well, it just really makes me angry. (laughs) Almost equal to the anger at violent media um, is, is my outrage at psychiatrists who do a bad job. And there is no way that this psychiatrist uh, could not have known ahead of time that James was about to explode. Maybe she didn't know his exact plans, but she certainly knew enough so that she should have hospitalized him. No question. She should have put him in the hospital as a danger to self or a danger to others. And he would have had a 72-hour hold, during which time he would have been evaluated, and chances are he would not have been let out once they were able to to um, evaluate his diagnosis, evaluate his condition, evaluate his rage, um, and and he would have been safe, and so would all of the other people who were killed and injured. Now, so we're going to get into that, and especially since um, it just occurred to me. Actually, I've been I've been talking about this since it happened, but you know, I was reading in um, in TMZ that you know that Holmes put himself on these dating um, or hookup <laughs> websites. And I was reading, rereading it, and um, rereading the TMZ 
uh, article, and they talk about how he created the profile on July 5th, which was two weeks approximately before the massacre. Now, in these photos um, on this particular profile, which was uh, adultfriendfinder.com, which is really looking for hookups as opposed to marriage partners, um, he had red hair. He already had dyed his hair red by July 5th. I mean, unless you want to say that somehow he switched out his photo, you know, right before he, he went to the movie theater, but that really doesn't seem to be the case. So, for two weeks, people, he was walking around looking like a crazy man. <laughs> and, um, not to be confused with the insanity defense, we'll get to that. But he was walking around, people had to see, you know, ha- didn't people ask, why'd you dye your hair red? <laughs> Um, and if he would have said it's to look like the Joker, I mean, wouldn't a psychiatrist, shouldn't a psychiatrist have asked, well, tell me about that, you know, your identification with the, with the Joker, because surely she would have known that the Joker was an evil character in this movie, in the Batman uh, series or the Batman storyline. I mean, that certainly would have been worth questioning him about. So we're going to talk more about that. I mean, you know, it, it it's funny because I had, I had, looked at and talked about this his postings on these dating websites but um it it i don't know it just occurred to me looking at when he posted this that there was a warning for at least 2 weeks at least 2 weeks before the actual crime occurred or crimes so we're going to be talking more about this um do call in if you would like you want to tell me about all the people or all the violent video games you played and you're not a mass murderer Um, You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show... 
Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting James Holmes on the couch, the Joker, the uh, who did not make very many funny jokes, but rather massacred um, a crowd of people in a Colorado theater where the Batman movie uh, was showing, The Dark Knight uh, Rises. And by the way, I want to... Um, uh, I, I know probably some of you are, are just itching to to disagree with me here, so I just want to mention a couple of things so that you know that I know what I'm talking about. Um, first of all, I did see the Saturday night after this happened, um, I did see The Dark Knight Rises because I knew I'd be talking about it and I wanted to be able to uh, talk more intelligently about it by actually subjecting myself to the movie which James Holmes did not see because when he did his massacre, um, that was the, the midnight showing. It was the first time that that movie was being shown. Now, he probably saw uh, previews, and he probably read all about it on the Internet and you know, scoured the Internet for what he could find on it, and, and he already had seen uh, the previous movie in which the Joker wore a red wig. That was in 2008. So... Um, but I, I'm not trying to say that he actually saw the current uh, Dark Knight Rises. But I did. <laughs> and let me tell you, um, save your money. <laughs> Give it away. Give it to charity. You know, I don't know what it is in your movie theaters, but um, it's, uh, you know, anywhere from, I guess, 12 to $20, something like that. Give it to charity. Um, this movie is, it has no plot or the plot is certainly secondary to the nonstop orgy of violence that the movie was. I mean, you, you just, you're just kind of literally blown away <laughs> from the beginning to the end, which, of course, made this whole um, uh, catastrophe for the people in Colorado all that much more worse. You, you may have heard people uh, talking about how when this happened, some of them have said that when this happened, um, when, you know, first James Holmes threw gas out into the, into the theater and then he started shooting. And when it started happening, it was about a half an hour into the movie. So they have, would have seen scenes of violence before then. And it would have been particularly hard to discriminate between all of a sudden a real life killer, um, mass murderer, <laughs> Uh, compared to the mass murdering that was going on in the movie. So in terms of people, you know, the survivors healing, um, aside from having survivor guilt, they will also have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and particularly strongly because of this um, surreal way in which it happened. You know, it's, it's not somebody walking up to you and carjacking you. You can certainly get... PTSD from that, but I mean, this is, this is, you know, you don't know whether this was reality or the movie or some kind of, I mean, a lot of people said that they thought it might be special effects because this was the first showing of the movie, um, you know, a special midnight showing, and so that maybe the movie theater was having some kind of special treat for them um, by having someone come in and pretend to be shooting up to, to bring that into the theater. Well, they soon found out it wasn't a treat. Um, and so, so um, I'm not saying uh, that James Holmes saw this movie, but I am saying, <coughs> one second as I take the water, I, I am saying that you should not bother going to see it. And, um, and 
that this is in fact contributing to more people seeing two and three quarter hours of violence. Two and three quarter hours of nonstop violence. Um, so, you know, in regard to what I was saying before, the research that has shown the more violence you consume, the more aggressive you become. And this is really, you know, there are movies that relate to the violence that um, are historical or that are movies that are actually anti-violent movies um, in which there is some reasonable rationale, some, some point to having whatever violence they have. And there's a huge difference between that kind of violence and the exploitation kind, the, the gratuitous kind, um, which is in Dark Knight Rises. Um, you know, they're, where, they're, where the movie is depending upon people getting excited by violence in order to, to uh, buy tickets, to tell their friends, you know, to get excited. And this is something, I mean, this isn't something that Hollywood discovered. It was discovered over 100 years ago by Sigmund Freud, who discovered that sex and violence are the, in, sex and aggression, I should say, are the innate drives in all of us. We have those, it, we're inborn drives. Now, what happens in a normal, healthy environment, if, if someone grows up in a normal, healthy environment, the aggressiveness transforms or is utilized as ambition and competitiveness, a desire to get ahead in a productive kind of way. But if someone warps that by consuming all of this media violence, it is twisted and it actually becomes real aggression or real, real violence where people act out and hurt others or hurt themselves for that matter. And sex, same thing. If someone, if a child grows up in an atmosphere that is healthy, then their sexual inborn drive becomes connected to love. If they don't grow up in an atmosphere that's healthy, if they're sexually abused, for example, um, their, their idea of sex gets twisted, and they grow up to view sex and relationships in a twisted kind of way, unless they get psychotherapy. There's help for everybody. But so Hollywood, you know, adopted this and twisted it, talking about twisting, twisted it to use it to make more money. And that's all that we have here. It's greed and money that is at the root of this. And people are not realizing that it is damaging our world, even to the extent of causing, of contributing to terrorism. Because, yes, terrorists have a certain religious uh, ideology and a certain political ideology and so on. But for all of these people, whether it's James Holmes or a terrorist or the person down the street, um, whatever their, whatever is going on in their lives, whatever their motivation is, whatever they want to take revenge on, the, all of these hours of, of media violence that they've consumed give them the fuel to act it out in whichever way they then choose to act it out. And yes, there are countless examples of copycats. Um, just like James Holmes copied the Joker and Bane, um, there are people, there were, the biggest movie that spurred copycats is um, Natural Born Killers. There was Clockwork Orange years ago, if you really, there were even things like um, Fatal Attraction, where people started burning rabbits, cooking, boiling rabbits. Uh, there, there have been countless movies, and, and, and Grand Theft Auto, for example, has inspired many copycat people, 
copycat crimes. Um, what often happens is that when these people are are caught and put in jail and put on trial, a lot of times, even though this could be a potential defense to say that they were overwhelmed by, they were provoked by, uh, incited by the media violence, the movie, for example, um, a lot of times these people don't want to, to acknowledge that. They don't want to tell the world that they were so uh, easily um, duped or easily persuaded or easily um, obsessed with with the movie, the video game, that they followed the person. They want to, a lot of them, most of them, want to make it seem as, even though it could help them, uh, it could be part of their defense. They they would rather, they have too much pride to, to acknowledge that they could have gotten this idea from somewhere as opposed to um, having the idea themselves. So, um, there's so much to talk about with James Holmes. I was starting to talk about the adult friend finder. So he has a, both on adult friend finder and on match.com. That was the other place that he put himself. He had, um, the, the statement, will you visit me in prison? This is yet another example. I mean, besides dyeing his hair red, um, which you would think, which, which I think that he hoped that was a cry for help that he would have hoped that somebody would have stopped him. Um, and the same thing, will you vi- putting that on the, the Internet, will you visit me in prison? Nobody got the, you know, obviously that, that did not um, get anyone's attention to, um, to get him help. You know, did he not tell his psychiatrist that he um, put himself on these dating websites? Um, it, you know, it, you just, why, I mean, of course it's, it's just so tragic to look back at this and see all these signs and, and wonder why did someone not stop him. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. He, um, he obviously had trouble dating, trouble finding love. Um, there was a story that came out in one report or a couple of reports. I don't know if it, I haven't heard it since, so I don't know if it's true, but there was some speculation that he might have had a relationship that went bad, some woman who dumped him. Um, he wrote on his on his um, adult friend finder uh, profile. It asked for male endowment, and he wrote short average. You know, did that uh, make him feel self conscious that he was not well endowed, and did that make him uh, contribute to his shyness and contribute to his problems um, dating? Not you know because he he didn't he felt that girls wouldn't find him attractive, wouldn't want to be with him. Um, there, you know, he, he was, of course, there were other things that, that he would have been led to question that about too, but that can have a very powerful effect in men if they are feeling self-conscious about their endowment. Um, he wrote on, on this profile when it asked for drugs, he wrote, prefer not to say, and there were some reports that two and a half hours before, um, the shooting spree, he took Vicodin. And not that that would have been enough to explain all of this, but it certainly could have been a contributing factor that he was high on Vicodin and maybe had a habit, you know, an abusive, he was abusing Vicodin, and that could well have um, caused uh, problems with his thinking before then. Um, which, you know, getting going on now to his psychiatrist, um, this woman, Dr. Lynn Fenton, she is the head of the um, clinic 
for the medical school um, at the University of Colorado. And um, she, she, what's interesting in regard to the Vicodin is that she had been um, disciplined by the Colorado Medical Board in 2005. She received a letter of admonition. It was required to take uh, courses, and this was because she was found to be prescribing medication to herself, her husband, and an employee, and not something like uh, antibiotics, which doctors will often do if, you know, for themselves or their family members um, for some kind of common ailment. But she was prescribing drugs of abuse, Vicodin, duh. <laughs> Wonder if she was also prescribing that for James Holmes. Not necessarily. He could have been getting that on the street. Psychiatrists don't usually prescribe Vicodin. That would be very, very unfortunate and unusual. Uh, but she also prescribed Xanax, lorazepam, which is Ativan, and Ambien. And these are anti-anxiety medications. And, uh, well, Xanax and Ativan are, and Ambien is a sleeping medication. So if she so cavalierly prescribed those willy-nilly to herself and her husband and her employee, one or more of these, um, could she have been prescribing the wrong medications to James? And could he have developed a, a habit um, that could have let, contributed to this, um, this uh, spree that he went on? Um, you know, it really just shows very poor, poor judgment on her part. There are lots of other red flags about her, um, her history as well, her, her CV, her curriculum vitae, and I will talk about that when we come back. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. There's so much more about James. It's so tragic and so preventable. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer, and someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Cliff has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Cliff help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Before the break, I was talking about um, James Holmes' psychiatrist. We're we're putting James Holmes on the couch today. Um, And his psychiatrist, Dr. Lynn Fenton, actually her title is Medical Director, Student Student Mental Health Services at the University of Colorado in Denver. And she has a rather strange background. Um, she, before she became a psychiatrist, she was a, a doctor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. She did that for several years. Um, and then in, let's see, in, um, in 2000, and well, she was board certified in psychiatry in 2009. So she's relatively new at this. And, um, you know, that's, you, you kind of wonder about someone who didn't want to be a psychiatrist from the beginning. It's, you sort of have to have a passion for it um, in order to be a good psychiatrist. And physical medicine rehabilitation is, is really not something where, I mean, it's far afield from psychiatry. Let's just leave it at that. Um, she, she, in addition, um, she seems to have a rather overloaded schedule, rather overextended. She's also doing research, um, well, in, in schizophrenia. Now, that has been jumped upon by a lot of the media who is questioning whether James Holmes is schizophrenic. Now, you do have to question that because um, he is of the age, the early 20s is when schizophrenia typically manifests itself, although there are children the schizophrenia, there is childhood schizophrenia, and there is, you know, schizophrenia that comes on later in life than the early 20s, but that's the typical age. And so, of course, you have to question whether that's, in fact, what he's suffering from. But, but certainly, um, Dr. Fenton, uh, as the psychiatrist for the student mental health services, doesn't just treat people, one would presume, who were schizophrenic, especially since she... Um, her job, where is it? She's supposed to. Um, she's supposed to provide medication and psychotherapy for fifteen to twenty graduate students per week, in addition to five to ten general psychiatry patients. Um, medication and psychotherapy. Now, so that's that's twenty to thirty patients a week. Now, the chances of her providing uh, forty-five minutes of psychotherapy. Plus medication management to these to all of these patients per week is slim to none. I would venture to guess that she is providing for a good number of them what's called med visits, which is the which is the downfall of psychiatry um, because people who get these fifteen to twenty minute to thirty minute tops med visits don't get psychotherapy, and they go out and kill other people or, or kill themselves or get into lots of trouble um, during those months, during the, the month or two months or even three months for some psychiatrists, that they're not being followed, or, or the majority of them just go on to live in misery because you can't, you can't medication is just a Band-Aid, and some people need it, and they may need it for their whole life. But, um, but that is just covering the symptoms 
in order to get at the root of whatever it is, schizophrenia, manic depressive illness, um, major depression, just garden variety depression, whatever it is that a person is suffering from, you have to give them 45 minutes a week, at least, of psychotherapy. And so I think that, that this may yet be an example, it may yet come out, that this is an example of one of these patients who fell through the cracks. And as a forensic psychiatrist, I have been seeing more and more of these cases against psychiatrists, against hospitals, um, against situations where people are just getting these so-called med visits and not really getting their underlying psychiatric disorder treated. So in addition to these uh, 20 to 30 patients that she sees a week for however long, she also is supposed to uh, coordinate a team of four mental health clinicians, supervise, psychiat- supervise um, yeah, psychiatric residents, uh, lectures, outreach to students, administrators and faculty. I'm reading from her CV. And in addition to that, um, she's also doing re- three research projects. Now, somehow, I think James Holmes obviously got lost amongst all of this and um, was not, even with his red hair, <laughs> screaming out to her for help, um, he didn't get the help he needed. And I hope that uh, the proper malpractice suits are filed against her. Um, now, going to the copying part, um, the, as, as I'm sure um, a lot of you know already, uh, the Joker is one of the evil characters. He, he, he really has green, he normally has green hair, but in this 2008 uh, movie where um, uh, the original one, The Dark Knight, um, play, where the Joker was played very well by Heath Ledger, who, by the way, died of an overdose, including Vicodin, um, the Joker in that movie wears a red wig when he destroys a hospital. He walks out of the hospital. He's dressed as a nurse, and again, one must one that leads me to question um, whether there was any kind of sexual. Well, in fact, there was a question of of, um, of James uh, Holmes' sexuality in terms of uh, his sexual identity. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Um, that there, there's a question of that in terms of the ads that he put up on these dating sites or hookup sites, but um, all, oh, and he also frequented prostitutes, <laughs> presumably women. Um, but there were. It, it, what's interesting is that he picked that Joker to copy um, with the red wig, and th- the Joker in that movie of t- in 2008, uh, The Dark Knight, is a nurse dresses up in a nurse's outfit, you know, as a woman, in other words. Um, so anyway, as the, the Joker leaves the hospital where she's dressed as a nurse, <laughs> she pushes a little gizmo and explosions go off. And the way they go off is one leads to another, to another, to another, which is exactly how James set up his apartment. There were, uh, I've read that there were 30 different um, uh, devices in a row, I mean, things that triggered other things. So one, ex- one uh, hitting one thing would trigger another thing um, so that it would set off these different explosions all in a row, which is just like what the Joker did in this 2008 movie. What's also interesting is that um, in, in um, oh, and also in, in, uh, a 1989 movie, the Joker is a fan of the long-barreled gun, which was similar to one of the guns 
that was in James Holmes' car. Then, in the 1986 graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns, the Joker slaughters a talk show audience with poisonous gas. Then, in that same novel, uh, there's a distraught man who shoots up a movie theater. And I am sure that one could find even more so-called coincidences, um, things in which, I mean, he was a very bright young man, James Holmes, obviously. He was a very bright young man. He was top of his class in high school and college. Um, and, uh, you know, so chances are that he did a lot of reading. In fact, it said that his, one of his hobbies is reading. So chances are that he spent a lot of time uh, absorbing all of this Batman, all of the Batman stories, or even if it was just, even if it was just the 2008 movie, which is an obvious one, um, he was obviously copying them. And talking about his intelligence, um, yes, there there were reports. I mean, it's pretty much uh, definite that he. Well, I won't say definite, but lots of reports have been that he failed um, a test, his end of the year test in his graduate program at the University of Colorado, and uh, that I think is more a sign of um, his falling apart altogether from things that were going on in his life, rather than. And yes, did that maybe was that maybe the final trigger, so to speak, that um, got him to feel as though his life is not worth living. He wants to go out. If he's not going to be a famous scientist, which is what he wanted to be, um, then he'll be famous for having done the largest mass killing of anyone else and the cleverest mass killing, you know, with all of these uh, traps from the explosions and so on. So, um, you know, I think that's more of a sign that he was deteriorating. Could it be, could it be the drugs that were getting to him and, and that's why he didn't do well on the test? Could it be the schizophrenia? Could it be schizophrenia that was beginning to manifest and that's why he wasn't able to uh, concentrate well his thoughts but, but the problem is they're going to have a hard time calling for the insanity defense because obviously in the months before and up to that day, he was, so, he was able to think things out so carefully to every detail with what he set up in his apartment, with what he brought to the theater. Um, it, it, he just, uh, uh, someone who is suffering from schizophrenia, which is a thought disorder, would not be able to do that. And, um, and plus, we certainly don't want to give, I certainly don't want to give the impression that uh, schizophrenics are mass murderers. They actually are more often the victims of crime than they are actually uh, the people who commit the crimes, certainly commit crimes like killing. So um, I guess we need to take another break now. When we come back, we'll talk more about some of the things in, in uh, James' life that could have been contributing to this. And um, and some of the other some of the other things in regard to the court and, and to his appearance and so on. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting James Holmes on the couch and talking about the Colorado shooting. Um... One thing I, I wanted to mention about uh, Bain, I forgot to say, to tell you how he's copying Bain. Um, for those of you, uh, you, of course, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar that Bain wears a mask. He wore a mask in uh, in um, The Dark Knight Rises and, um, and before. And um, Bain's mask actually feeds gas into him so that to help with pain, um, as opposed to blocking gas out, or as opposed to uh you know what what um uh what James did as far as shoot you know well he would have used it to protect himself from the gas that he spewed into the theater but still um you know the fact that that Bane uses it to feed him pain medication goes along with James Holmes uh Vicodin use so oh and, and yes and also as I was trying to make the point before about Keith Heath Ledger having Vicodin um, as part of his overdose and, you know, copying that. Um, talking about James Holmes' childhood, you know, I, I wonder, one of the things I'm interested in is whether we're ever going to find out about James Holmes' childhood. and In other words, what, what life was like in their home, um, what his relationship was with his mother and his father. It's been said that his mother, uh, before this, you know, when before he went to Colorado, told him to see a therapist because she was um, noticing that he was somewhat withdrawn or he didn't have as many friends as she thought he should. And, he, and in fact, he should. Be. I mean, he was a loner. Um, so, so she suggested that he go to a, th- a therapist, a psychiatrist. But did he do that? No. Did she make him? No. <laughs> Um, this is a lesson to all parents that if they are seeing things that they are concerned about, it doesn't mean your child is going to become a mass murderer, but it certainly means that you should be a little more forceful in obliging them to see a psychiatrist. Um, uh, there's also been there have also been reports that his father, who was very well educated, um, 
he, that he was trying to keep up with his father or trying to make his father proud of him, and that perhaps when he failed that test or when he saw he was beginning to not do as well at the University of Colorado as he had done in college and in high school, um, that could have contributed the idea that he was going to be letting down his father and his fear of his father's reaction. Um, there's also It was also noted that even though he won honors in high school, he didn't walk with his graduating class. Now, that's a red flag. Why wouldn't he have? Um, was it because his parents took him to Europe on a trip? <laughs> or was it because, you know, there was some issue going on that, um, that made him not want to walk with his class? Especially, I mean, you would think since he got honors, that would be a time when he would show up. So there's something there. And I don't know if uh, all of this is going to come out in the trial. I hope that it does, because it would certainly, um, that whatever childhood traumas there are, whether he was abused, whether he was neglected, his mother was a nurse, his father was involved in IT, um, you know, perhaps they were, they neglected him to some degree. I don't know that part, but there obviously has to be something in his childhood that allowed him to then grow up like this. In fact, there are hints. Uh, in a video that's online um, that was taken when he was 18. He's at a camp, at a science camp, um, at Mir- Miramar College in San Diego. And he talks, his, his talk, he was giving a talk to his peers, and his talk was about uh, temporal illusions. And um, he said, over the course of the summer, I've been working with a temporal illusion. It's an illusion that allows you to change the past. Now, you know, that could just be some, some curiosity about this, but usually people pick to study things that they are curious about because of things in their past. So was there something in his past when he was 18? Was there something in his past that he wanted to change? And... Um, and he preferred to go into these illusions. Um, he also was studying uh, subjective experience, which which was, and he had a mentor dealing with that. Um, he he was, and and this mentor, the mentor's interest was in looking at fantasy versus reality. So so could he have been having trouble distinguishing fantasy and reality back then, and that was why he was interested in this? This is why he picked a mentor who was studying this. Um, all of these things need to to be looked into. Um, what else? Well, I mean, I guess I guess I just want to end this with a plea. You know, you walk around and you see. Um, you see little kids, more younger and younger ages, uh, sitting with their parents. I was at a restaurant recently, and there was um, a mother and a little boy about maybe eight years old. And they were sitting and having dinner. And what were they each doing? The mother was on her um, smartphone, and the little boy had some kind of device where he was playing video games. They weren't talking to each other. I was sitting there. And with some people, and, and we were there for maybe an hour, and sitting across from them, and um, and not in that whole hour, I did not see the mother talk to the little boy once. They were both absorbed in in their <laughs> in their technology, and um, I don't know that the mother was playing violent video games. I somehow doubt it. She was probably talking to her friends or whatever, 
but um, but she was allowing. I mean, that that hour would have been so much better spent had the mother been talking to her little boy, asking him about school, asking, talking to him about. It was a, a restaurant near a movie theater talking about. Well, I don't know what they were going to go see. <laughs> that would have been interesting, um, but talking about a movie they were going to see or anything, anything, anything would have been better to talk about, to have that interaction with his mother rather than sitting there playing violent video games. Because, you know, in video games, you get rewarded for killing. Oh, that was another thing. I wanted to mention this. One of the, one of the tip-offs that James Holmes played a lot of video games is the fact that he killed a lot of people by shooting them in the head. And that is typical of um, people who who have played uh, a ton of video games because because they get more points for shooting in the head and and that was what that was what he was aiming at that's what he got um, and this is is just very symptomatic of of this of this kind of experience and this kind of history and so um, I mean I know I get. <laughs> I, I know I anger the video gamers every time I talk about this, but I was the, I mean, I have a long history of, of being an activist against media violence. Um, I was the head of the National Coalition on TV Violence, which didn't just look at TV violence, but video games and movies and every other, war toys and so on. Um, I testified before Congress four times about media violence and what we need to do. I wasn't up for censorship, but I was hoping, of course, <laughs> Ideal, idealistically, I was hoping that the people who were manufacturing these uh, violent products would stop on their own once they realized what it was doing to society. But that hasn't happened. Um, I've, I've written books. I've, I've written chapters in Larry King's book about violent video games, the danger of that. I've written my own things about it. Um, I've been interviewed a gazillion times about violent media, the impact, and I stopped the Schwarzenegger rocket in 1993. Um, there was a rocket, a NASA rocket, that was going to go up that uh, auctioned off the side of it to um, companies to put an ad. And Columbia bought it, and they were going to put an ad for Schwarzenegger's movie. At that time, it was Last Action Hero. And that just drove me up a wall. <laughs> Not nice to drive a psychiatrist up a wall. And I devoted the next three, four months to letting as many people know about it as possible by doing interviews all over the place and by giving out the number of NASA, the hotline, um, Columbia's um, contact information, Schwarzenegger's publicist, and, and the president. And I got enough people to call and fax and write and um, in that they wound up scrapping the whole rocket. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of in my life because the idea of sending media violence up into space um, was, well, the, ad of, the idea of having an ad on the outside of a NASA rocket was pretty tacky, but having it be for a violent movie was just too much. So please, when you're thinking of making these choices, um, of, of having your child um, or even friends, friends who sit there and they're each on their video games and, and not talking to each other or they're playing video games together. I mean, really, there are much more productive things that you could be doing than, than wasting time um, learning how to kill. So, and I know for, uh, for doing all this, I get the video gamers, um, when, I, when I was quoted about this uh, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I got video gamers all over um, Amazon bombing my books. So 
So if you look at my books on, on Amazon, you'll see all these rotten reviews that came up after I made a comment about uh, on foxnews.com about a violent video game that was coming out. So, you know, I mean, I, I know that there's, um, there are, and people sent me all these violent emails saying, video games don't make me violent, but if you come over here, I'm going to, and then they'd say these violent things they were going to do to me. Anyway, <laughs> this is something that I feel passionate about. The world would be better if everyone stopped watching and playing, uh, watching violence, playing violence, and uh, engaged in, in, in um, more more peaceful things or more productive things instead. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.